Happy Father's Day. Uh, we are in our series called Brutiful. It's actually the last week of this series. I can't believe it's been seven weeks. We've been doing this series for seven weeks. It's been insanely amazing. If you've missed any of the series, you can go back in our archives, corechurch.com. You can, you can watch it. If this is your first time with us, that word uh, is Brutiful. The series called Brutiful. And that word is a combination, as you can tell, of two words, brutal and beautiful, because life is both brutal and it's beautiful all at the same time. But how do we find the beauty in the brutal things of life, or how do we move from the brutal to the beautiful, and how can God help us with that? Because it is God who helps us find the beauty in life. So today, to finish the series, what I want to talk about is new beginnings, that's what we all want. Come on, who doesn't want a new beginning? Hopes, dreams, aspirations, things that you're desiring and you, you want. And so I want to talk about that. And by the way, this is really, I should give some cred here on this. This inspiration for this message comes from a book I read almost a decade ago called Managing Transitions. It's, a, it's not a spiritual book, but it's a, a book, it's a life book, really. It's one of my top five of all time. So as we talk about new beginnings, uh, go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And if you don't have a Bible, download version. It's a great app. Let me, uh, if you're new to the scriptures, let me explain what we're talking about, what this is. Acts is a book entirely devoted to uh, the birth of the early church. How did the church begin? So Jesus has died. He's been resurrected from the dead. He has ascended to heaven. And the church has started. It's the apostles, and they're leading it, and it's only in Jerusalem. But then persecution breaks out. Like people are being arrested, they're being killed. And then we come across this one of the young leaders, uh, aspiring great leaders of the church. His name is Stephen. He's suddenly killed. And this is where we pick up the story in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. It says, Saul, which is interesting, Saul, if you don't know this, Saul would one day become Paul, who would write almost all of our New Testament. Before that, though, he wasn't such a good man. He was, he was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. This is Saul before he becomes Paul. I could preach a whole sermon right there, but I won't. I don't have time. And it says this, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came, and they buried Stephen with, with great mourning. But Saul, he's going everywhere, trying to destroy the church, throwing people in prison. And in verse 4 it says, but the believers... But the believers who were scattered, they preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Let's talk about new beginnings. Father, thank you for these neighborhood gatherings as we gather with friends and neighbors and coworkers and uh, family members, all of us together just to hear from you today. Would you minister to us today? Would you speak to us today? Would you show us, God, how to move to these new beginnings in Jesus' name? And in your neighborhood gathering, everybody said, amen. Well, it, it is summer, and summer is a time for road trips. Are you going on a road trip? Have you uh, gone on vacation yet? This is that time where we go to all kinds of different places. It's interesting, uh, Tulsa has a lot of suburbs. We have Broken Arrow, Bixby, Jinx, Owasso, and Destin. That's the, <laughs> that's the unknown suburb. What is it about people from Tulsa? And everybody goes to Destin. I, I can't figure that one out, but... 
for some reason they do, and, uh, or, or somewhere in Florida. And it, we, that's what we, we've gone to Florida, and we've done the road trip, you know, and, and it's Father's Day, and, and dads, I don't know how it is in your house, but I'm kind of in charge of, of the road trip and the planning and getting it all together, and, and we've been to Florida before, and I, I'm a destination dad. Anybody, any dads, you're a destination dad? I mean, you're like, I'm, I, or I should say not destination dad. I should, sorry, I should say I'm a get there dad. That's a better way of saying it. I'm a get there dad. I want to get to the destination. That's all I care about. But I'm married, I'm married to a sightseeing mom. So she wants to stop at every, you know when the sign says, largest hole in the world, come get a free rock. And she's like, we can do it. It's only 20 minutes off the road. She's like, it'll be wonderful, great memory for the kids. And I'm like, no, I want to get there. Plus, it's not 20 minutes. I, I do traveling math. 20 minutes there, two hours of sightseeing, 20 minutes back. We're, we're over three hours now of your little 20-minute hole in the ground. So I'm not, not, I'm not doing that. But I, I'm, I'm a get-there dad. And I, I, and I also I have rules. And you, Dad, you got rules for traveling? I have family rules. And you can check with any one of my kids. This is legit. So first of all, the rule is we always leave before the sun comes up. Because I leave at like 4 a.m. Because here's the thing. This is a little tip for new dads. This is a new dad tip. You get your family in the car at 4 a.m. They're waking up. It's 8 a.m. and you're already in Memphis. I mean, that is gold right there, okay? But we have rules. Like, here's one rule I have. No drinking in the car unless we're 30 minutes out from the stop. That's just what I do. Like, because the worst thing on a road trip is somebody somewhere, you get just get going. You just get on the road, and they're like, hey, hey yo, buddy. Not, no, not in our house. And it, we would stop like a pit crew. I, I, I would make an announcement like, attention passengers, attention passengers, if you'll notice we're getting ready for our stop here. If you please put all your carry items away and put those shoes on for Pete's sakes, put those shoes on. So we would pull off the road like a pit crew. I'm, I'm pulling into the Loves, only go to Loves, clean bathrooms. And so we, I'm gassing up. They're, Laura's taking the kids in. They're going to the bathroom. They're getting their snacks. Boom. By the time I take the nozzle out, it's back. Kids are loaded. Boom. We're back on the road. I, I am a get there dad. And I, I get excited about road trips. You get excited, like at the beginning, you're like, woohoo, holiday roll, holiday roll. I mean, you're so excited. And then you hit that wall. Like if you're going to Florida, it's somewhere in Mississippi. Mississippi gets such a bad rap, but it's, it's somewhere in Mississippi. You hit that wall because there's always the kids there. They're driving you nuts, and you turn into your dad. I don't want to turn into my dad, but you turn into your dad. What do you say? You go, hey, don't make me turn this car around because I will. And they're like, oh, my goodness, I I, I said I would never say that, and I just said that. But your kids know you're not going to turn the car around because it's a long way back, and you know there's still a long way until you're going to get there. It's just so frustrating. You get, you get to that one rest stop in Mississippi, and you're like, hey, listen, we could just leave them right here. One less kid, it'd be easier on us, less expensive. I mean, it just you, it's a long way, and you eventually... Finally make it to your destination. We, we all have hopes and we all have dreams. I mean, there's, there's things that we are 
excited about, new beginnings we're excited about. I mean, you, just, you know, whether that's a, a you think, man, about your, for your marriage, or maybe one day I'm going to get married. Maybe it's something for your career, a job that you're aspiring, you're going to school, and you're thinking about the future, and you're dreaming about it, and you're super excited about it. Or maybe it's something to do with your health, or maybe you're, you, maybe you're just trying to lose 20 pounds, and you think of yourself like, I'm getting into that swimsuit before July 4th weekend. It's going to happen. I believe it, and I'm confessing it with my mouth. I mean, just you're just so excited. There's something, though, that you're hoping for, but it doesn't take long. It doesn't take much for your hopes and your dreams to hit a wall until you are frustrated, you're, you're confused, and, you're, and doubt kind of creeps in. No matter what it is you're hoping for, no matter what it is you're dreaming for, every hope and dream goes through three stages. There's three stages to every hope and dream. There's this transition. You go through all three of these stages. You can't skip one. You can't change the order around. And I want to give you these three stages of transition. Now, we're going to put them up so you can, you can write them down. I'm telling you, if you've never written anything down before, you want to write this down because this is gold. I've used this for over a decade now. Every dream goes through three stages of transition. Endings, neutral zone, new beginnings. Endings, neutral zone, new beginnings. Same order, can't skip one, always goes this way, no matter what it is you're hoping for or you're believing for. So we see this in the birth of the church in the book of Acts. It, it, it's happening here in this story. It, the, the church in its infancy went through these three stages, and it began with an ending. Persecution breaks out, the, the death of Stephen, a young leader. Look at verse 1 again. It says this, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church. Think about this. This is not the new beginning they had hoped for. This was not the way it was supposed to go. Jesus, resurrected from the dead, ascends to heaven, says, go make disciples, win the world. I mean, you're, they're like, whoop, whoop, here we go. And then Suddenly, persecution breaks out. Suddenly, a young, aspiring leader is killed, and everyone is scattered. Write this down. Every new beginning begins with an ending. Every new beginning begins with an ending. Look, think about this. The church is in its infant stage, and the devil was trying to destroy the church before it even got going. The devil will try to derail your dream before you even leave the station. Like you're like, whoop, whoop. He will try to derail your dream. Jesus talked about this. He talked about this in reference to his own death and resurrection. Before he ever went to the cross, he said this in John 12, 24, I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and what, say it with me, dies. Unless it dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, say it with me, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Like, look, look at this picture of this tree. This, this is what we expect. This is the new beginning we are after. As, as Jesus said, a harvest, like we're looking for the fruit, the, the wonderful marriage, the 20 pounds gone, the new career, overcoming the addiction, uh, your, in your relationship with Jesus. You see it as fruitful and you're not struggling anymore, but good things are happening. That's what you want. But the truth is it looks a little more like this. 
Now, I love this picture because that's really supposed to be a seed going into the ground, but doesn't it look more like a cow pie? I think that's fitting. You can look at that however you want to look at it. But this is where it begins, and this is what Jesus said, unless a what? A seed is planted. It's something, something has to end. So something has to, has to die. Every new beginning requires a letting go of the past. And when you let go of the past, it's emotional. I mean, it's, it is draining. It, it, is, it is painful. R- write this down. Endings are a time of grief and grace. Brutal and beautiful. Every Excuse me, endings are a time of grief and grace. I've been talking the past few weeks how Laura and I have moved. After 19 years, we moved from one house to another house. Talk about going from endings and, and trying to get to new beginnings. So about a month ago, we, we got out of our other house. Just yesterday, just yesterday, we moved into our, our, our new home. Finally, after a month, <laughs> I've been living this, this sermon out. But when, when we were packing up at the old house, we'd lived in that house for 19 years, raised four children in, in, in that home. And uh, as we were packing up, there, it, it was an ending. And I had this, what I thought was a brilliant idea. I, it ended up, I think, being a mistake because I said, hey, bring me every picture. <laughs> bring me, a, for the first time in over 30 years of marriage, I'm gonna have every picture organized and together. So, I mean, we went, got pictures out of the garage. We got pictures out of the attic. We got them out of closets. We got them out of kitchen drawers from underneath the bed, out of the car. You know, your pictures are everywhere. I'm like, I'm getting them all in one place. So I got all the pictures in one place. Now, by the way, when I... When I say organized, some of you, not like some of you organized. It's not like, you know, I put them by seasons. I put them by stages of life. Oh, here was our Grand Canyon trip. I mean, you know, here's, oh, here's this child. And this, no, I, <laughs> I bought tubs and I just got them into tubs. Here's the mistake I made, though. I sat down by myself and went through them. <laughs> not that it took a long time. But I started processing the 19 years of my children and being in that home. And you know, a dad should never be left alone in that moment. I mean, it's, uh, it, was a, it was a weeping moment. Uh, it was fun, though. I found some great pictures like this one here. That, that check me out. This is me back in the day. Huh? Got rocking the pleated jeans. Got the penny loafers. And yeah, that's a perm. <laughs> Hello, 80s. Yes, I found that picture. Found this fun one here. This is my middle son. I call him Herc. Uh, His real name's Shane, but I I call him Herc. Back in the day, I dubbed him One Sock Man. Because you look down, what do you see there? One sock. It didn't matter. If you put two socks on him, he always ended up with with one sock. But, and by the way, I was also just texting these pictures out to all the kids, all these different memories, and they started texting their mom and go, uh, Dad's sending me a picture when I was like two. Is he okay? Is Dad all right? <laughs> so I was doing good until I came across pictures like this. This is my daughter, and this was the hard one because I remembered I'm a dad, and when dads are alone, we're a little different. We, we, we just, we don't have that, you know, facade. We just, we're not afraid to weep when we're by ourselves because 
that cute little dress, that cute little wedding dress. That cute little wedding dress, by the way, has become a real wedding dress. She's now married, and she, she lives in California now. You got to process endings. You got to process endings, because if you don't take time to grieve, you will drag whatever it is from your past into your future. We see this with people all the time. They, they go from relationship to relationship to relationship, job to job to job, crisis to crisis to crisis, addiction to addiction. Drop the 20 pounds, gain them right back. Drop them, gain them right back. Why is that? It's because you never took time to grieve whatever it is that you needed to let go go of. It might not have been good. It might have been beautiful and great, but you got to take time to grieve that thing. This is what the early church did in verse two. It says some devout men came and they buried Stephen with what? Say it with me. Great mourning. If anybody knows how to mourn, it's the Jewish people. We see this throughout scripture that they would put on black and they would cover themselves in ashes. And it's where we get the tradition, by the way, of wearing black. And for the Jewish people, they have uh, a season of grieving. It begins with something that's called a nut or ananut, either way you want to pronounce that. But it's the deepest form of grieving. It's the days leading up to the burial of that person. And this is where they take time to truly, deeply grieve so that they can heal. Because if you don't grieve it, you can't heal. But after they move past that, they move into this season called um, Avalut. Now, Avalut is the first seven days of Avalut, they just remember. Like me, sitting with the pictures. They don't go to work. They don't celebrate. They don't get together with people. They just sit and they just remember. For seven days after they bury that person, they just remember. Remember the good things about that person. And then they move into a season of 30 days of mourning. And, and in some instances, even that season of mourning can last up to a year. But if you don't take time to grieve, you're going to drag it into your future. And the good news is, though, is that God provides grace in your grieving. Oh, that is good. You need to share that with somebody right now. Either post it on your social media platforms or turn to somebody right now and tell them God's grace is there in your grieving. God's grace is there in your grieving. It's his grace that carries us. It comforts us. It strengthens us. It, it helps us so that we can move into the new beginning that he has for us. So every ending, or excuse me, every, every new beginning begins with an ending. But before you can move to a new beginning, you got to go through what's called the neutral zone. So let's talk about that for just a moment. Go back to verse 1. It says, all the believers except the apostles, they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. So get the picture here. They're fleeing for their lives. Everything was good, and suddenly everything is not so good. I mean, they are threatened with arrest. Many of them are being killed and persecuted. They are, they're leaving their family. They're leaving their friends, their jobs, the homes, everything they've ever known, moving to strange places. They're confused. They're afraid. They're dealing with doubt, and they're struggling like this is the neutral zone. If, if endings, if endings are a time of grief and grace, write this down. The neutral zone is a time of fear and faith. The neutral zone is a time of fear and faith. It's, it's the brutal, but it's also the, the beautiful. 
Again, look at, look at this tree. This is what we want, right? This is the new beginning we want. This is where the fruit and the excitement, the dream, and all that we're hoping for. But the, what happens in the neutral zone, it don't look like that. It looks a little more like this. It's this little sprout coming up out of the ground. This is where you go, what is this, God? This is not what you promised me. This is not what I, I thought it would be. This is when you, you move to a new relationship or a new job or a new career path or you start down, I'm, I'm gonna break this addiction or whatever it is you're, you're trying to do and, and you're not quite there yet and it gets frustrating, it gets confusing. There's a lot of doubt that comes in during this time and in the neutral zone, this is where it's, it's too far to go back but there's still a long way to go. One of the best examples of this in scripture is Israel leaving 400 years of captivity in Egypt and heading to the promised land. They, they, they left Egypt, 400 years of slavery. That's an ending. They, they had this ending, and then they were headed to new beginning, the, the promised land. But where did they end up? They ended up in this wilderness season. They had to go through the wilderness to get to the promised land. The wilderness season is the neutral zone. They wandered, as we know, in the wilderness. There's a lot of wandering that happens in the wilderness. So how you respond in the neutral zone determines your destiny. I cannot overstate that. The way in which you process the neutral zone, the, the way in which you proceed through the neutral zone, the way in which you think through the neutral zone, it will determine your destiny. And there are, by the way, there are um, three different ways that we process Three different things that happen to us in ways in which we respond. All of us have one of these three. See which one you are. The first one, write this down, is confused. You get, you get confused. People get confused, and they're like, what's happening? And you just, like the children of Israel, wandering all over the place. And this is a, the Israelites, this was a real season of fear. And what did they say to Moses? If you don't know the story, when they were in that wilderness, they said, we want to go back. I, we don't, what's this sprout? What is this? This isn't what you promised us. We want to go back. It was better in Egypt. It was better, they think. It was better in slavery. We've all been there. Have you ever changed jobs and you want to go back to your old job and you didn't even like your old job? Have you ever moved on from a relationship? Like maybe that relationship you moved on and you don't, you don't want to go back to that relationship. You don't want to go back to that addiction. You don't want to go back to living around that anymore. But what happens is you get, you get confused. Truth is sometimes it's not bad. Sometimes what was back there was good. It was really good. And you try to, you're so confused. I don't want to move forward and you just want to stay, stay back here. And, and when you get confused, it's always about the path of trying to go back. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, watch your confusion. Watch your confusion. Watch your confusion. So if you don't get confused, you become cynical. A lot of people become cynical in, in the neutral zone. This is where dreams go to die. This is what happened to the Israelites. They they started asking why. Why did you bring us out here, Moses? Why are we here? We're gonna, you, you brought us out here to Why, why, why? And their why turned to whining. Don't let your why turn to whining. You might want to write that down, pin that up somewhere where you can look at it every day. Because it will keep you from moving into that very thing that God has for you. An entire generation died in that wilderness because... They got cynical. Don't get cynical. Turn to somebody and tell them, don't get cynical. 
So then there's another group of people, and I believe this is you. I, I really believe, especially as we come out of this pandemic, we've seen this in the pandemic. This, this past year, people have gotten confused. People have gotten cynical. But what I see in you is you're watching today because that's not you, because you want to press through. You want to come out the other side. You're, you're somebody who doesn't just dream it, but you persevere through it. And that third group of people, which is I think most of you today, are those who become confident. Write down the word confident. If you don't know the story of the children of Israel going into the promised land, they sent in 10 spies. 10 spies go in, 10 spies come out, eight of the 10 said, can't do it. They were confused, they became cynical, they said there's giants, there's fortified walls, we can't do it. But there were only two, only two men who were confident that God said, God's, God said we are gonna go into the promised land and I don't care what we see, God is going to help us to be victorious. That was Joshua and Caleb. Those other spies, they did not get to enter the promised land, but those two, Joshua and Caleb, they were able to enter into the promised land. They were moved into their new beginning because of faith, because they were men of faith. And look at Galatians, Galatians 6, 9. That guy I talked about earlier, Saul, he became Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. And this is what he wrote to the church in Galatians eight at just the right time. Come on, say that with me. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. If what? Say it with me. If we don't give up. If we don't give up, turn to somebody and tell them, keep moving. You've got to keep moving. Those early believers, they didn't give up. They, they refused to quit, and because of them, they ushered in the beginning of the church. Like what we have today, the reason we're able to worship today, the reason we gather today in community with one another is because those early believers, they refused to give up, and God moved the church into a brand new beginning. Look what it says in verse 4. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. The, the very thing the devil used to try and destroy the church, God used to build it. We've seen that here at Core Church. It was about a decade ago. We were $4 million in debt. And we were scraping and clawing and trying to find our way. And we, I mean, we were, talk about, and the truth is, in the middle of all of that, we saw people get confused we saw people get cynical, but praise God, almost every person said, no, I'm going to be confident that God is going to bring us through this. And what's crazy is we have all this land. If you've never been to our property, we, we had 40 acres, and God provided a miracle, and we sold off 20 acres, and $1.2 million dropped off that debt. And, and now, now we are sitting at right about $2.5 million and. And we, we found that we had additional land, so we put additional land up for sale. But let me tell you something. That sounds, wow. But can I tell you, as a pastor and even as the leadership, pulling back the curtain a little bit, we, we were struggling a little bit because there's nothing happening around our church. All the building is happening everywhere but, but here, and we realize it's, it's going to take a long time before that property sells. But the very thing the devil meant to destroy our church, God has used to build it and catapult us into our destiny. Most of you know, 
Broken Arrow announced one of the largest destination locations in the Tulsa metro area is going to be built right next door to the church. That, that land that we have that, that was, uh, was not quite valued, wasn't really worth much, has suddenly become some of the most prime, valuable land in all of Broken Arrow. So the, the very thing the devil wants to use to destroy you, God is going to use to build you. Write this down. New beginnings. New beginnings are a time of dreams and destinies. New beginnings are all about dreams and destinies. This is the journey. Look at this picture. This is the journey that God is taking all of us on. From endings to neutral zone to new beginnings. Why does he do this? Why not just jump to the new beginnings? Because he's writing a story. He's writing a story of his redemption. He's writing a story of his restoration. He's He's writing a story of resurrection power so the world can see that it's in Jesus that we find every answer. It's in him that only in him that we can get to our new beginning. He's writing a story of hope and healing and peace and purpose. Like that's the good news about Jesus. And that, because that's the story of the cross from the brutal to the beautiful. A brutal cross led to a beautiful resurrection. This is what God wants to do for you. This is why we trust in Jesus. Because he takes us from these endings and gives, his, gives us his grace in the middle of grief. And then in the middle of, our, of this neutral zone, the middle of this place of fear, he provides faith for us. And then ultimately leads us to this new beginning if we do not give up. I believe that if you will put your hope and your trust and your faith in Jesus, he will lead you. I don't know where you're at today. You might... Be at an ending. Trust that he's going to bring you through that neutral zone and into that new beginning. Maybe you're in that wilderness and you're wandering. Trust in him. He will bring you into that new beginning.